don't look back because the market is closed. Good Monday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. It was a rough start to the week this week as we got the worst day of trading for our major indexes so far for 2021. And a lot of headlines out there today. Ollie wants to come say hi. My pup Ollie back here. Uh, but a, a lot of headlines out there today. So we're going to focus on a few of them to kick off the podcast here. The primary one, of course, being what is happening in China right now. The, the story of Evergrande continuing to unfold here in the Chinese real estate market. The story doesn't just stop with Evergrande, though. Today, Shanghai-based developer Cynic is having liquidity issues here as well. They plummeted 87% shares of Cynic did today before being halted on the Chinese markets. We'll see what happens later this week when the rest of the markets open as well. Only the Hong Kong markets were open today, but the Hang Seng did close down. 3.3% on the day today as well. And really just adding to what we've been talking about here quite a bit on our podcast and our written updates to members, the volatility that we've seen in China, a lot of it seeming self-inflicted from the Chinese Communist Party and the regulations that they're imposing on their state-run capitalist system, as they call it over there. But in just the last seven months alone, China's internet and tech ETF KWeb is down a massive 55%. And that is just a signal of what we've seen more broadly throughout China as well. A lot of these other ETFs, whether they're following tech or other indexes, they peaked in February. Since then, it's been a slow trek lower and really has amplified itself over the last few weeks with this Evergrande situation. Uh, but again, we've been covering this for some time here and we're getting to a point here now that we're looking for trades in both directions here for China and I say trades very specifically we want almost nothing to do with China long term here for long term holdings yes there are some great companies over there done phenomenal things very different from what we've seen here in the United States where they have these super apps that do 20 different things in one pretty impressive stuff but with the way that the ccp has cracked down and really the uncertainty behind the way that their accounting principles work their lack of audits in their system you just don't want anything to do long term with these equities but now that we've come so far in china we think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for trades on both sides both long and short it's like the way we described it is a rubber band and it's going to snap back in one direction or the other. Uh, so we've been looking at doing that here with our portfolio have started doing so and alerted our members to it as well. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll keep reporting on that story as it unfolds here. But overall, a lot of fear out there behind calling the Evergrande situation, the Lehman brothers of China right now. I, it's a little early to tell. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the CCP does if they come in and flush the system with liquidity or if they have other ways to manage this. But right now, I think it's a little too soon to call it the Lehman Brothers of China. But then you can see it clearly did affect the U.S. markets today. Again, the worst day for stocks here in the United States for all of 2021 so far, as far as our broad indexes 
are concerned and we're seeing the wall of worry building here in the US first off one of the you know compared to some of the other stories you've seen out there this is not made as many headlines but over the weekend or Friday of last week Janet Yellen starting to warn about a US default on debt if we don't raise the debt limit ceiling that is a classic almost in my mind a textbook scenario of a wall of worry event because we've seen this story so many times in the past they're not going to let the this deadline come and go without taking action it is a near impossibility that they would let that happen so the two sides will bicker it out seemingly more so political theater than anything else until the deadline comes they'll raise the debt ceiling that's that's the way I see it here uh, and then of course that the Fed is going to start tapering the fear of the taper is, is really every month now hits the market we saw it last month with the Fed's Jackson Hole meeting we saw it the month before that in the FOMC meeting now of course this week starts the two-day FOMC meeting again that begins tomorrow uh, with more announcements to come on on Thursday as well uh, Wednesday and so once again the fear of tapering comes up and what perfect timing for a for a market sell-off then right before this event the Fed is not going to taper with a weak market so it provides the perfect cover for them to do nothing once again and then of course we already got back August job data jobs came in at less than half of what they were expected we got 235,000 jobs created in August compared to estimates of 720,000 again perfect cover for the Fed to once again kick the can here they'll talk about tapering they will not give a time frame uh, the market can say oh they're gonna do it before the end of the year as they've said so many times already but they will not give they're not gonna say oh in November is when we're gonna start that's not gonna happen in this meeting not in our view uh, we'll be reporting on that here though as well but when that time does finally come we found this really interesting uh, a chart from over the weekend when the Fed started tapering in 2014 uh, or yeah 2014 the 10 months after they started tapering the S&P was up 10.2 percent the real estate market was up 22 percent uh, a number of other other sectors were up 20 percent 16 percent so once the Fed starts tapering it again adds some fear to the market but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a bad thing but in our view the Fed will not start tapering here in 2021 and probably not the beginning of 2022 either not even let's not even talk about the possibility of raising interest rates just we don't see it happening here but overall to drive home the point these are the perfect factors for a wall of worry move higher for our markets and just check out what it has done to our market sentiment levels here okay today the put call ratio historically averages about a 0.7 today we had above a one all day today which means that far more people are buying puts than calls that is a contrarian signal that the bears may become a little far then the fear and greed index 
fell a big 13 points today. Now at a 21, that's the second lowest reading that we've seen all year long. So going back to the March 2020, uh, yeah, the March 2020 lows, when you get a low fear and greed reading like this, it has been followed by massive market rallies. Uh, and then, of course, we talked about this last week as well, the AII survey that came back with with bulls following some like 15%, I think it was 17% last week, just massive levels of bears in the market right now. So much fear out there. And from our point of view, between this wall of worry and the bearish sentiment that we've seen in the market, this is a contrarian's dream that <laughs> to take advantage of here to the long side for this market. So it's not to say that uh, tomorrow we're necessarily going to have a huge turnaround Tuesday, although very well could happen. And then once the Fed announces they're not tapering, we could very well be back off to the races. Of course, September is seasonally the most, the weakest time of the year to be in the market. We're almost out of September now, uh, getting ready for that end of year melt up as we see it here for our markets. So let's take a look at our market action on the day today. All of our major indexes finished lower on the day today. We we're led by the S&P 500, if you want to call it that, uh, up 1.7% to 4,357. And an important note here, the S&P 500 is now as oversold as it's been on, on some of our VRA momentum oscillators since March of 2020. Pretty incredible that we're just 4% away from all-time highs. And we've got so much fear in this market. We're at extreme oversold readings. When we've hit these levels of readings in the past, over since March of 2020, again, there's been massive rallies after that. Next up here was the Dow, down point or 1.78 on the day today to 33,970. We were able to get a pretty good smart money hour today. Really, a smart money last 30 minutes. Uh, the Dow was able to finish over 350 points off of the lows of the day today. So, not obviously a pretty weak day. The Dow was down 614 points, but we were down over 900 points earlier in the session, 950 or so. So, good to see. Not great, but. Again, looking for a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday for this market tomorrow. Next up was the NASDAQ down 2.19% on the day today to 14,713. And lastly for today, the small caps down 2.4% to 2,182. One other point for today, the VIX was up as much as 30%. Earlier in the session today, finished up 23%. Set at 25 right now. These massive one-day moves from the VIX historically have marked a bit of a capitulation. Once you see this washout, like we got today, very well could have been today. We see a big move up like that from the VIX. They're pretty rare. And they're usually actually buy signals. So an important metric to watch there in the VIX. And then looking at our internals on the day today, saw some of this action as well, especially in volume, which I'll get to here in a second. But first, declining stocks did beat out advancing stocks, five to one negative on the day today. New 52 week highs, lows, similar story here, over six to one negative on the day today and volume. This is where we saw 
a, what we like to see as a capitulation signal. Very rare to get a 90% downside volume day. And at one point today, the NYSE had as much as 95% downside volume. Pretty rare signal there. And again, it can be seen as a capitulation event. We finished on the NYSE at about 89.5% downside volume on the day today. The uh, NASDAQ in a very similar camp got as much as 87% downside volume at one point today. Finished uh, right around 80, a little lower than 80% downside volume on the NASDAQ. But again, big readings there are rare. So it can be seen as a capitulation event here as well. Next up, let's take a look at our sectors on the day today. All 11 S&P 500 sectors finished in the red today. Utilities were our leader, if you want to call it that, uh, down two-tenths of 1%. You know, when bond yields are down, it's usually pretty bullish for utilities. They're the biggest borrowers of debt in the nation. So when bond yields are down, it can be bullish for utilities. Might have been a little bit why they weren't hit so bad today because bond yields were down 4.4% at a 1.3 handle there. Still, uh, we are in the camp that bond yields are going to continue heading lower. After that, we had real estate and healthcare. And then our laggards on the day were energy down a big 3%. Oil was hit pretty hard today, followed there by consumer discretionary financials, materials, and then tech. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch. I, th I thought this was pretty interesting today. On a day like today, where you have nothing but bearish sentiment in the financial mainstream media, shit is really hitting the fan if you watch CNBC or Bloomberg. And of course, the China fiasco, again, the sky is falling if you're watching financial mainstream media. You'd think that some of the more defensive sectors would catch a little bit of a bid, but gold was the only precious metal that was able to finish higher on a day like today. Still, not up a lot. Gold up 0.82%. Not a bad day for gold, certainly, to 1,765 an ounce. But on a day like today, you might expect a 2% day from gold, 3% day from gold even, if shit was really hitting the fan. Uh, that's just not what we saw. And then we didn't see it elsewhere either. Silver down on the day, down half a percent to $22.22 an ounce. Copper down as well, 2.76% to $4.12 a pound. More of an industrial metal, so not necessarily the flight to safety that you would see in gold or silver. And yes, you can say that bond prices were higher on the day, so maybe people flying to safety there, but really, you can't overwhelmingly say that there was a flight to safety trade today. This is what we've seen since March of 2020. It's uh, once something goes, everything goes. Uh, and that's kind of what we saw again here today. Uh, and saw the same at oil down 1.75% to $70.56 a barrel. And Bitcoin down big today, 7.5% on Bitcoin to 43,782 a Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. Check us out on YouTube now as well. We'll be having more videos like this regularly. Last Friday's took a little time to upload, uh, made a few changes here, and we'll get that rocking a little bit more. But anytime that you want to see Ollie, he's, he's around here somewhere. But uh, he'll be making some more visits here on the videos as well. So thanks again for tuning in. Until next time. 
see you back here tomorrow for the close.